We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Welcome to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and to join me uh, to recap Sunday's loss against the New England Patriots, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. John Ellis. John, how's it going, bud? Hey, what's up, Billy? How you doing, man? Good to talk to you as always. And uh, yeah, we got some got some things to dive into from an ugly loss. Yeah, I mean, it was it, this game reminded me of those 2010 games where it was just like a colossal mess. I mean, after like the first two drives on offense, I was like, I'm bored of this game. I'm putting it like on my laptop. Like, I'll rather watch like another game because it's like it, it was just that type of day. And I don't know, man. I have a lot to say, but you've already watched the tape. Just give me your like general impressions of the offense and you know if there's anything that you've seen that we haven't you know mentioned the past few weeks uh then please spill it out (laughs) well i think it's just more of the same billy again we we looked at the tape here early in the week and got a chance to get a copy of that uh you know on monday morning and look it's just a combination of things that continues to compound you've got a quarterback in sam darnold we've talked about this all season long who is regressing You can see the traits there. He can make throws, but there are times where he just absolutely cannot set his feet, doesn't set his feet, doesn't play with discipline. Uh, You know, the recap on that game from Sam's perspective, he was under 50% there passing. Buck 72 and three interceptions. So, again, you look at those interceptions. One of those by Jamie Collins was just a remarkable play by the linebacker there, jumping. It's sort of a Julius Peppers throwback play. (laughs) Um the, the, obviously, the pick six to J.C. Jackson was, was just terrible. Um, I, I was concerned a little bit with some of the play calls in that game because I think New England was very keyed in when you look at the tape on the boots. 
Um, they did a great job defensively. I mean, you can't give them enough credit in terms of their game plan and how they came in. I mean, they, they obviously were keyed in on the passing concepts that Joe Brady was dialing up. And they had one thing in mind, basically, or two things, honestly, to stop the run, which they did a pretty good job of. They had a couple of gash plays late. But most of all, create conflict with Sam Darnold. And they did that between Barrymore, between you know guys like Matt Judon, who was an absolute animal on the edge. Um, you know, the, the front seven for New England had a fantastic game, Billy. I mean, you can't say enough good things about what – Bill Belichick and, and Steve Belichick and the entire defensive staff there did in terms of keying in on what they always do. They take the one thing that they know they can exploit and they amplify it. And, you know, I, I just look at this tape and I continue to see, you know, inconsistencies with pass blocking. We knew that was going to be the case. Um, trying to move Sam around a little bit. You know, Sam had that third interception where they're just trying to make a play there with, with DJ and, <clears throat> you know, leaves it leaves a little too short and uh, you know, Jackson once again is right there for the interception. So again, I didn't see the physicality um, in terms of getting out in space and creating some running lanes. But once again, I think you and I knew this was going to be a bigger challenge in Atlanta. Um, I I stupidly picked Carolina to win this game. (laughs) Raised my hand and say, look, I had a 21 to 20 type of low scoring defensive battle and you know had not been for the Darnold pick six I mean they're driving their Billy in the third quarter they're doing some good things um but but again it's these fatal error plays from the quarterback that are just killing this team right now yeah I mean there's really not much else to say on that front like I'm you know we can sit here and do another recap week in and week out and <laughs> like we praised him last week but like after watching that tape again it was I mean he was essentially like on on a leash the way he was playing with those screens. And I think it was just the design of the plays that really helped those running backs gain yards after the catch. But this week, I mean, I just like the thing about like play calling and I try to defend play callers more than I try to criticize them. It's like the reason I do that is because like, first of all, I don't know the place itself. Okay. Um, you and I, we can kind of make our very strong inferences based on what we're seeing and what we've seen in the past. But to me, I, I just feel like it's extremely difficult for like any play caller to have success with this quarterback. And yeah, I mean, I thought the offensive line did okay. Like Judon is obviously great. I have no doubt about that. And they have some other guys um, who were playing really well. Um, but to me, it's just like they, they want to run the ball, which is what the co- head coach says. This isn't what the OC wants. This is what the head coach says. Yeah. And because they want to run the ball, they, they can't – I mean, the Patriots, like those two linebackers, are not good in coverage. They're really good coming downhill and fitting uh, gaps, and they just made their lives easier because the edges – I mean, it, and to me, it, it just comes down to – um, you know, the, not only just a lack of identity, but just there's just so much wrong with this offense. And I just think it starts with the personnel. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to be like, they're not like built to be like a running team. I mean, they're just not like they can try to run the ball all they want, but they just don't have the offensive line to do it. Um, and sure, like it worked against the Falcons, but I still um, am dubious about that, that sustainability. But to me, John, I just think like 
I really don't think like this offense can get anywhere with this quarterback. And I don't think PJ Walker is the answer either. But like when I'm watching Teddy Bridgewater, I thought Teddy Bridgewater, like for all the criticisms that we gave him, I was, I mean, we can go back on record, everyone. I specifically told you, John, that prior to the draft last year, that I was fine keeping Teddy for another year. Yep. Whether And that's whether they wanted to pass on a quarterback to keep Teddy or if they wanted to bring in a, um, one of the quarterbacks, Fields, Jones, or Lance, or whoever. And to me, like, I'm seeing Teddy, like, just completely, like, dominate a very good Dallas team on the road. Right. And I'm wondering, like, what would this team's record be with Teddy? And I think it would be, like, maybe six and three. Yeah. Maybe, like – five and four at worst and i don't know man it i just i really don't i know like they're in the playoff hunt or whatever like i don't care about that right now but to me i'm just like (laughs) i i don't know like where they go from here and i don't think pj is the answer either so it's it's a very dangerous place yeah i mean look there were a few bright spots of course i mean we'll get to the defense in a minute i think zane gonzalez as you've mentioned has been a, a really nice addition um, he in the kicking game has been very good, and that was a bright spot for Carolina. But yeah, it's it's hard to get excited, Billy. I mentioned this earlier on Twitter. I mean, look, the team is a half game back of the wild card, and they've got the tiebreaker on Atlanta. But I just don't even really care at this point because I know that they don't have the passing game to to compete. They don't. I mean, and this is what you see when you go against a well coached team in the Patriots who are surging a little bit right now who play very good defense, very good sound fundamental offense up front on the offensive line. Um, they don't make a lot of mistakes offensively. Honestly, you know, Mac got baited into one on Gilmore, which was a very good piece of coverage on his part. But Mac made a few good throws too. And the offensive line, for the most part, you know, did a decent job in terms of pushing the line and, and getting some run game going early. To that point, you know, I just, I'm with you. I mean, you know, we can sit here every week and, and give the, the same tired takes about this team and the quarterback and, and what plagues them, but it's just the same crap, Billy. And, and, you know, to that point, look at Sam's first three games. Let's just revisit. 68%, 296 a game through the air. He averaged one touchdown pass a game, 0.3 interceptions per game. He was still getting sacked twice a game. So it's not like the offensive line magically got worse in pass protection. And he was averaging 8.3 yards per attempt in those wins. McCaffrey goes down. Here's the production since. 54%, 183 a game, 0.7 pass touchdowns per game, 1.7 interceptions a game. Some of these coming in critical situations, Billy, the first play of the game against Philadelphia, or maybe it was Minnesota I'm thinking of. And then, you know, obviously a pick six doesn't help either. Still two and a half sacks a game, but not a huge difference from early in the season, and five and a half yards per attempt. So obviously you can look at McCaffrey and say, well, you know, this, this is all about McCaffrey, McCaffrey, McCaffrey. Well, he was back. He had limited touches, but he was still a part of the mix. And he was good when he was in there. But it doesn't fix the problem. Because at the end of the day, if McCaffrey is still healthy throughout this stretch, maybe they steal one or two of those games. But you're right, with Bridgewater – we, we were critical of him. I, I know I was in terms of his inability to do things down the stretch, push the ball downfield, the, in, the unwillingness at times to, to find guys past 20 yards. And also the, the fact that Matt Rule had talked about, and you and I talked about this before, Rule even brought it up, wearing down throughout a season, you know, the injuries. And this was about the same time a year last year this started happening with Teddy. 
And now here we are again, Matt Rule bringing this up in the press conference, noncommittal about Sam Donald moving forward, mentioning his health, saying we're just worried about his health right now. That, that sure sounds like a coach to me. He's looking for a reason to get out of this quarterback situation. So, you know, I know just, they're worried about I, his I don't health. Think I get he, it. But, man, I, why are they playing him in the first place if they're worried about his health? Well, I don't think he has a choice at this point. Last year it was a little more – I think last year it was a little different because Bridgewater just – at least he had – he showed, like, competency. And their offense, for all intents and purposes, was the bright spot last year. Uh, particularly their passing offense because McCaffrey wasn't really healthy. And so I just feel like that last year was him throwing Teddy under the bus was much worse than him doing it to Darnold because like, I just, I don't think you can, you just, you have to find something else. Like it, it, I mean, the guy can't play. I mean, it's plain and simple. He just can't. And you're doing a disservice to your team and you're having defensive players have to answer these questions in press conferences about the offense and they don't want to talk about it. And I don't blame them, but it's, I just, I don't think you can keep going to this guy. Like I didn't, I, I mean, John, did you ever see it like Robbie or DJ Moore or one of the tight ends or anyone yell at Teddy last year on the sideline? I never saw that. Oh, never, never. And and this whole narrative about Robbie again, you know, look, I understand he's had a few drops, but you made a great point on our last episode together where these are not high leverage situations. There, there's some concentration drops there. There are also some perceived drops that are really hard catches. And there's a lot of hospital balls being thrown out there too. I mean, these, it's just not good, Billy. Um, my, my problem with Darnold from the beginning was look, and we talked to Cosell about it. I mean, we're going to keep beating that in the ground, but Greg is so good at, at diagnosing this stuff. And you and I knew this too. Look, you throw Sam into this blender that was this offensive line, it just was a misfit from the beginning, I thought. I mean, I just don't see trying to rehabilitate a, a wounded quarterback mentally, I think, and, and also from the physical traits, the, the physical mechanics that he has inconsistencies with, to put him in a situation where the, the protection is substandard, uh, and, and all the blame now goes to Joe Brady, which is a little bit ridiculous. It, it, look, it, it is what it is. Matt Rule wanted this quarterback, and now I think he understands, look, we're, what, nine games through this season, and he's regressing. So, yeah, I don't, to your point, I don't blame Matt for, for being noncommittal at this point. I mean, it would probably frustrate him more if he just kept saying, you know, we, we love what Sam's doing, we believe in Sam, all this and that. He's just probably being honest about it. The injury thing does worry me a little bit. I mean, it's a shoulder issue. He had a concussion. He does run a lot. He does break the pocket a lot. Um, and, you know, he's he's a physical guy, but, man, he's not built like Newton was, and I don't think he can withstand that for a whole year. So I just don't see this being a, a good thing. The problem is the fifth-year option is already pinned, and, and they're on the hook for it. So, I mean, I just – the whole strategy behind it, I, I will never understand it. Yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is, and I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. And I don't know, man, it, it's a very – bleak spot they're in uh, with respect to that position because and let's transition here because like I mean the defense did their job and I'm, I'm seeing people criticize the defense for giving up a touchdown here and there but like dude they got you two turnovers in Patriots territory <laughs> they were able to limit their offense I mean Mac Jones didn't play that well I don't know like did I, I never I, I 
I didn't think he played well. I thought he just took what the defense gave him, which I guess is smart. And if we're, you know, crediting rookie quarterbacks by doing the bare minimum, then yeah, fine. He played well, but like there was like a, a few, I mean, he missed like Hunter Henry on a touchdown too. Like, so I don't know, like their passing offense to me did not really show um, any threat. I just think it was like some of those check downs, um, you know, that he threw that really helped them move the ball. And, uh, and I mean, they only had two touchdown drives and 17 points is what they gave up. So yeah. to me, I, I just feel like the defense is doing all they can from, you know, a talent and a schematic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this is a, it's a remarkable turnaround for this unit. I know they added some pieces with Morgan Fox, with Hassan Reddick, Stefan Gilmore's in the mix. Now they drafted Horn who contributed early on. Um, we're still waiting on C.J. Henderson to, to get reintroduced back into the mix. Here. I mean, what's going on with that right now? I don't know. I, you know, he had the shoulder issue a few weeks back, and he continues to, to linger. I haven't heard anything about his health. I just know they continue to deactivate him. Um, it's not like a healthy scratch. I mean, I think he, he's dealing with something, but um, maybe there's more to it. Maybe they just don't see the development so far and, and him grasping the defense. I, I can't speak to that, but I, I would mean, hope. They gave oh, up a very talented tight end for this guy. I just I hope it works out. I mean, he was a full participant at practice. Yeah. On Thursday. Right. So for him to go from full participation to inactive. Yeah, I I, mean, I, I have a problem. Up, I mean, they gave, I have a problem with that because they gave up assets. Again, this is this is supposed to be a guy that's developmental to your point earlier this year, but I, I'd like to see him play a little more. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, no, he, he was full participant Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm looking at the injury report now. So he was full participant. So yeah. unless, again, we brought it up when the trade happened, you know, there were some questions, at least from the outside, about where his head is at mentally. Right. If, if that's lingering its head, then, hey, you know what? Fair enough. I'm, I'm not going to criticize it. I'm just saying these were questions before he got traded. Yeah. And so, I mean, you gave up a third-round pick. You already – down a second round pick because the Darnold trade has turned out to be a disaster. I don't know, man. I, I just this team really needs to Bad figure out what they're doing. Bad decision making again, and, and everybody's got a hand in it. You know, the, the owner signs off on all this stuff. Now, I, I'm told from somebody in that building this was very much a Matt Rule decision. This was not ownership driven as much in terms of the quarterback and Sam Darnold. The owner was was pretty set on Justin Fields for a while, actually. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Justin. Very good game last night. I don't want to get into a situation where every week we're comparing Justin Fields to Sam Darnold, but it certainly will be something that fans will continue to look at. And I don't think that's completely unfair. I I, I just – I questioned that trade at the time. I know you did too, and and I just don't think we're seeing a lot of good net results defensively. It has been a really good turnaround, as I was saying earlier here, and I I just think – what they were able to do in the second half. But you, you, I pay attention to these things closely in terms of locker room structure, in terms of the chemistry. And I just hope this, this unit can, can stay together and this team can stay together through this rough patch offensively because they're wasting a really good year right now defensively. I, I, like in 2002, I'll go way back. They had the number two, I believe, defense in the league that year. But that was sort of expected because they were coming off – the 2001 season where they had Chris Winkie, they got rid of him, they brought in Rodney Pete. They had to rebuild that offense, and that took about a year and a half to get that done as they brought in DeLone, Ricky Prohl, Stephen Davis. But, yeah, I mean, 2002 reminds me a lot of this where there is a very imbalanced sort of situation going here where the defense is attacking, they're making plays, they're giving the offense great field position, short change type of opportunities. 
and they just don't have enough competency at quarterback and in terms of protection to make things happen. But defensively, I had no problem with what they did. That was probably Mac's worst game other than the Saints game all year, I, I thought. I mean, he had one good throw on a, like a post wheel to, uh, I believe it was Bolden. Yeah, that was, that, that was the one I was talking about. Like, that wasn't yeah. even like that difficult of a throw. Not difficult. Yeah, it was decent. But I mean, that, it's a good read. But like, that was about it. I mean, he ended up for the game. I mean, he passed for under 150 yards, I think. I mean, he was around 150, maybe. Um, so I wasn't like, you know, overly impressed. 139. I mean, if you can hold a quarterback to 139 yards and turn the ball over twice on him, um, that's good stuff. And it was premium field position, too. So I just, you know, hope defensively. I know they're frustrated in that room. You know, I, I, I talked to – I want to touch on this, too. Talk to Stanley McClover, our friend, who's, you know, obviously brother with Brian Burns there. And that was a disgusting play by Mac Jones. It was just – and I, I, I know the whole world pretty much agrees with it, except your tweet, one fan base out of 32 that, that pretty much is defending it. Um, I, I was just very unamused at the moment when it happened. And I look back at Phil Orban, our friend from WSOC, who – posted the NFL film shot of it. Carboni posted one, too, of, of their own feed. There's been numerous angles of it. All 22 was egregious, too. It was just just so unprofessional. And that, yeah, I'll just that, leave it at that. It was, yeah, it was just, just so bad. And, you know, and hopefully Brian sounds like he's going to be fine from what I'm hearing, but it's obviously something you worry about with somebody who's had some injury history there. And it's just there's no place in the game for it. But I, I thought overall the running game, I and mean, look, they held Damian Harris to two yards per carry. Um, I know Stevenson got loose there on a couple runs, but overall in the second half, they held him to under 50 yards rushing. Uh, they held him to under, I think, 30 yards passing, 40 yards passing, something like that. Um, they got the turnovers early, and it's just – you just hope this season can, can sustain a little bit. I just don't think it can't, Billy. I just – it's so shitty because I look at the standings. They're right there in the mix, but you can't get excited because this quarterback just limits them in so many ways. I know the offensive line is not great, but to your point, it was not disastrous. Yeah, he was only sacked once. He's been sacked once in the last eight quarters, Billy. Yeah, no, um, you know, it. I, again, John, it's it, – remember I mentioned it's just a complimentary football. Yeah. And everything just starts with – how each unit plays and it just, it, it lingers on a unit. You can't just expect this. And I'm telling you guys right now, like this defense isn't going to be this good next year either. Like I'm sure they'll be, they might be good, but I don't think they'll be this good. Uh, I mean, we've seen it like defensive performance year after year is not stable. Yeah. It just isn't like it, go through any metric and go through any great defense that you've seen. Those, this type of performance is not going to be, it's just not, stable what is stable is a good offense and right now they're doing a disservice to this offense uh excuse me the offense is doing a disservice to this defense and you know it's a shame because like like you said i thought there were some really good individual performances um i mean i just think that when shaq thompson is playing their defense really has uh, just a lot of kind of organization and they look like they're in the right positions at all times and he made some really nice plays and uh, and like I said, I mean, the defense is imperfect. Like the, their safeties aren't very good. Um, I, I mean, but at the same time, they are doing the best they can. And yeah, um, it, it, I just think Gilmore is, I mean, that trade was good. So I'll give them credit for that. Uh, he's been even better than I anticipated. And uh, even on the strip sack, I think Mac was reading 
uh, I think Gilmore was on Jacoby Myers and he was reading him and he had to hold the ball and that allowed Burns to come um, strip Jones. So it's, he's been as advertised uh, the corners. I mean, they're playing pretty well too. And the thing is like, you're going to give up touchdown drives. It's just completely inconceivable to go out in a NFL game and just not give up touchdowns. Like, I don't care how good your defense is. And, And I mean, it, it, I don't know, man. It's it's just very discouraging uh, to see the offense just really limit themselves and take away from this great defensive performance. And Zane Gonzalez, I mean, you and I were both skeptical of him, uh, at least with his leg strength. I, I think we were both kind of on the same um, we both thought he was a pretty accurate kicker, but he's also shown that he has a strong leg. So okay. I hope it continues because there were a few touchbacks he had too where he kicked it out of the end zone. Uh, but yeah, man, special teams and defense, I thought they played well. I mean, special teams solid. I know Olszewski had a couple nice returns, but I mean, defense, I just really not much else I can say about them. I mean, they're playing at a high level and it's just kind of unfortunate. It's going to waste right now. And I'm not sure how much those guys in the locker room can take it anymore. I mean, it, it's fine to go up there in the press conference and say that we're a defensive team. And whenever you give up more points than the other team, then it's on the defense and all this stuff. I mean, I thought Hassan's Reddick presser was very telling the fact that he was getting upset with the offense. Uh, that just showed me that it it's the locker room is getting frustrated with the offense. And I don't blame them at all because like I'm, I watch a lot of pressers. I'm I'm seeing other teams like the Chargers, like the, their defensive guys, like Bosa and Harris and Derwin James, are always complimenting their offense. And right. I'm seeing the same thing on other teams, like the Ravens. Again, they're not playing well on defense, but they're crediting their offense. Right. And so for this, I feel like the tension is starting to get a little noticeable. So I'll be curious to see if that lingers in the well, future. And look, I- you know, credit to, to Vashti Hurt, who's at Keith Blitzen on, on Twitter. She captured a great video of the Robbie Anderson-Sam Darnold exchange. And, and look, I got no problem with Robbie. I'm sorry. You look, I, I know there's been a few drops, but you look at the tape, man. I looked at the tape from this game. He was open again. He was on a crosser on the one. I know, I know probably the best one there in terms of options was, was Thomas, and that's not a hard throw to make. But, but Robbie was open. Robbie was open again. He's getting open every week, and, and and Sam just does not see the field. I mean, I hate to oversimplify, Philly, but it is what it is. We can go two hours deep with this thing, but there's no need to. Sam can't see the field. When he feels pressure that's there, it's very bad. When there's no pressure, he tends to feel it when it's not there, and his mechanics break down, and he very inconsistently, uh, you know, infrequently throws with command. And it's just something that's not getting better. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, from a discipline perspective, too, look, I don't know about the Ian Thomas penalty. I thought that was questionable. But overall, when you have 10 penalties for 83 yards, um, you're not going to win many games in this league. Three of 11 on third down. Uh, three of 12 when you combine the fourth downs. It's just bad football. And that's all I got on that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. And, you know, John, as we wrap up – oh, excuse me, sorry. Uh, as we wrap up here, I, mean, I just want to get your kind of final impressions. I mean, they're going up against a Cardinals team that, to be fair, they have had some success against Kyler Murray the past two seasons with Ron Rivera's defense and last year with Phil Snow's. 
Um, but I just saw Colt McCoy just completely dismantle the 49ers. So who knows? I don't even think it's going to make a difference who's at quarterback for the Cardinals because their defense has been very good this year. Yeah. Um, so uh, as we go into this stretch, they have the Cardinals and they have Washington and Miami and Atlanta. I mean, those are three winnable games, but this week I you know, it, it could be pretty ugly like we saw last week. What are your thoughts? I think that, that there's a, a small silver lining in that the Cardinals' run defense ha- has struggled at times, but when you look at what happened against the 49ers, look, they tightened up, and that's a very hard team to tighten up against schematically against the run. They allowed 39 rushing yards. They did give up a buck 51 to Green Bay, but look. I, I, I'll just inter- interject real quick. Um, okay. I think a lot of people in 49ers line are really kind of annoyed that Shanahan didn't run the ball more. Probably should have. So, yeah, so that so that's probably one thing to keep an eye on. Like you said, I, I think maybe their rush offense can get going. Last thought here, though. They forced 17 turnovers this season, Billy, that defense. Uh, that's third in the league, and that that's very troubling when you look at that from Carolina's perspective because Carolina is among the league leaders. And turning the ball over, um, hats off to Vance Joseph, Brinson Buckner, who's coaching that defensive line, former Panther. Uh, Billy Davis, the linebacker coach. I mean, that whole staff is just keyed in defensively. And offensively, who knows? They had some guys out. You know, Hop was out. Uh, obviously, I think A.J. missed that game. Uh, of course, Kyler did too. And they still dominated the 49ers on both sides. So, again, I don't see Carolina with much of a chance in this game as long as Darnold's the quarterback or P.J.'s the quarterback. I, I just I, – I, I'm looking, man. I don't see any hope for this team against Arizona. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's – I mean, never say never. It's the NFL. Right, right. Seen some crazy games, Titans beating – or excuse me, the Jets beating the Titans or the Jags beating the Bills and on and on. It's the NFL. Parity is king. Um, so I'm not going to rule out that they will upset them by any stretch, uh, but I just feel like with what this offense has shown – it's it's going to be extremely unlikely, and I mean it's a ten point spread, and 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 the, and the line makers in Vegas don't even know who's playing quarterback. They don't know if Kyler's <laughs> going to be healthy. So even if Colt McCoy is starting, I mean I'm I'm not very confident. I mean I I was I saw that game, and McCoy is a very like conservative. I mean he's just taking checkdowns, but like they have so many good, um you know guys who run after catch like Rondale Moore and James Conner and. Edmonds and yeah. the tight end Ertz is getting involved. I don't know, man. Uh, Kingsbury is finally learning how to be an NFL head coach, and he's elevating the offense. Uh, to me, this is a game that's going to be very tough for Carolina. But again, like I said, never say never. It's the NFL. Weird things happen. Last thought. Last thought for me. It's a big stretch for Matt Rule here coming up. But look, I know we've talked to people around the league about this three-year plan and all that. But I remember that conversation we had with Joe Person, Billy, earlier this offseason. He said, look, David Tepper's not necessarily as patient as we think. That contract might be a little bit of a mirage if this team doesn't start at least tickling the playoffs <laughs> in, in year two. So if they start sliding and then they go on the you know a five, six-game skid here, just keep an eye on that. He it, Matt's got to start winning some games here, some big-time games. I know there's some challenges, but – these are challenges he brought upon himself, and it, it's time to start Time to start getting it done. I mean, that's where they're at right now, so let's see what happens. I'm not saying he's getting fired. Even if they lose out, I don't know what will happen. But they can't go on another five-game skid. I just don't think they can. Yeah, they I, well, I don't, I don't think they'll go on a five-game skid, but I will say, I mean, the next three games after this week, it's Washington, Miami, Atlanta. So it's yep. 
two bad teams and one team that's pretty average that they've already beaten. Um, but I've mentioned it on our preseason podcast, these last four games at Buffalo, Tampa, at New Orleans, yeah. at Tampa, that's high. I don't see a win in there. So that's, I, I, yeah, that's already nine sense. losses, not it, even it, including potentially Sunday. Right. It's not about the playoffs right now. If they don't make some hay in November and, and show some better form as a team, and I, I'm talking about complete team football, situationally, managing clock, good decision-making from a coaching perspective, disciplined football, cutting down on the penalties. That's what I want to see against teams at their level. I think Arizona is far above their level right now, even with Murray out. But we'll see what happens. It was a wild week last week, Billy. There were a ton of people, I'm sure, that lost a lot of money last week. So we're going to see what happens this week. No, I totally agree. And, you know, as we sign off here, um, just make sure everyone, please follow John on Twitter at, at one, the number one Panther place. You can find me on Twitter at M underscore 91. I mean, full disclosure, I'm probably going to post a few clips here and there, but to me, like, John, you do so much good work with the film that I'll direct anyone who wants to watch all 22 to go to his timeline. Um, I don't expect myself to – I'll watch the all 22 when I get a chance, but I don't know, man. It's kind of – you know, not – It's not a fun exercise right now offensively. I'll tell you that. It's a brutal watch. Yeah, exactly. Anyway – um, that's it for us today. Uh, hope you guys join us. We will have, I think I already, I've already scheduled Blake Murphy who writes for uh, revenge of the birds uh, to join us to preview the Cardinals game. And uh, we'll get that out for you guys later this week. John, thank you again. All right, my friend, we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.